Hello and welcome to The Blonde Commentary, exploring modern masculinity through faith. My name is Trey Orndorff, and if this is your first time listening to the podcast, hi, it's very nice to have you join us as we talk about what it means to live the gospel-centered life as a young person. For me personally, I started this podcast because I could see that a lot of young people like myself are oftentimes distracted and put down by the weight of what we see in modern society. Oftentimes, it can be very, very difficult to focus on the goodness, grace, and mercy of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and ultimately see why he's worth running after. And this really weighed a lot on my heart. And so I'm just hoping that by starting this podcast and speaking to y'all weekly, that I can help to show y'all a little bit of a young Christian perspective and show you why I run after Jesus and why you should do so as well. But anyways, enough of that. Just want to get on to today's episode. First of all, I do want to apologize about last week. I unfortunately was not able to record the episode that I was hoping to due to some unforeseen scheduling conflicts as well as some upcoming exams that I had last week. But thankfully, the Lord provided through that and we were able to get past that exam and everything went fairly well. So I'm very, very happy about that. But regardless, I know that y'all were hoping that I would be able to come on the air with a friend of mine, but we will be pushing that episode about worry to next week. I'm very, very excited to sit down with him. I believe that he and I will be able to really shed a lot of light on our own experiences and be able to hopefully inspire y'all with what the Lord puts on our hearts in terms of why we can truly trust in the Lord for guidance when we feel like we don't have the guidance that we need. And so in lieu of that topic, what I wanted to talk to you all about today was simply about the Lord providing in every circumstance. Actually, just to tell a little bit of a story, back not this past Friday, but the Friday before that, I was invited to come sit down with one of my Bible study leaders in the Alabama Navigators, a man named Dylan. And Dylan and I are great friends, and we have been really growing very close with one another this past year as he has started to work on the staff with the Navigators. And I absolutely loved that he was willing to take the time with me as he knows that I live a very, very busy life. And he just wanted to check in and just do a little bit of an independent Bible study just to help me to feel refreshed in the word. And that really touched me personally because not only was it an awesome time of fellowship, but it also showed me the power of gospel-centered community and why it's important to make that a priority in your life. But most importantly as well, I believe that the message that we are able to go through, specifically in Psalm chapter 34, really resonated with me because of a constant theme that I've been seeing God trying to teach me in terms of him providing for all of my needs. As I have mentioned previously, I am very much of a type A individual. I love to plan everything that I do. I love to make sure that I have backup plan after backup plan, trying to make sure that all of the things that I'm wanting to accomplish, ultimately I can succeed in. And though this does happen to make me very prepared for a lot of different situations, 
I am simply human, and life, as many of y'all probably know, throws us a lot of curveballs. And so definitely in this phase of my life, as I am starting to transition to medical school this coming July, and as I have a lot of things changing around me, I'm really seeing the importance of what it means to fully trust in God, regardless of whatever circumstances or situations are occurring in my life. And I think this will be a very good lesson moving forward, not only for me, but also for all of my listeners out there, because as I was mentioning previously, the distractions of the world are really big, and they always have been, and unfortunately, it seems like they're only getting worse. It seems like I can't go a single day without seeing something that really makes me just ultimately sad to see that people are finding their identity in things that ultimately are not going to fulfill them in life. And for me, someone who thankfully has a very personal, close relationship with Jesus Christ and have been very fortunate to grow up in a home where that was impressed upon me and where those values and ideals were were motivated by my loved ones and even by the gospel-centered community that I have, it just makes me really, really sad to see people so lost when I know that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And so today, I hope that I can just talk a little bit about what we talked about in Psalm chapter 34, and how trusting in God, regardless of whatever the circumstances are, is ultimately the best path to go about. When Dylan and I were sitting down and going through this thing, I honestly had no idea that we were going to be going through a psalm. And as someone who admittedly is not the best about getting time alone with God and the Word, I thought this was awesome because though I might have read bits and pieces of these psalms, it's not often that I would go and actually sit down and pick apart the individual aspects of a certain psalm. And so today, I would love to just take some time, very impromptu, and just go through some of the observations that we found in Psalm chapter 34 and see if any of that applies to your life. But anyways, without further ado, let me go ahead and start. Psalm 34.1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. I think that in and of itself, just as a starting point, is such a powerful statement. I mean, just looking at the beginning there, I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times, what does that really look like for us? For many people, including myself, I think that we fall into the trap of just blessing God when things are going in our favor, right? I mean, for instance, if, say, I have my tests like I had last week, I felt like I did very good on them, and so I wanted to lift up blessings to God in a sense that I was very happy about the result of what happened. But I have to ask myself, would I be lifting up those same blessings to God if I did not do well on a test, if there was something bad that happened in there? And in my personal experience, this has been something, a lesson that God has really taught me a lot. I know, as I've mentioned previously, in terms of my own testimony, growing up having to help 
take care of my grandmother, I definitely saw what it was like for a person to go through a lot of emotional turmoil and how that turmoil can ultimately affect all of those that surround them. For my grandmother, as her mental capacity slowly continued to dwindle due to Alzheimer's disease, I sadly got to watch as she became more and more confused about her surroundings and how this ultimately was a just a darkness that was hanging over our family. However, in that darkness, I was able to see the light of Jesus so clearly. And I believe that that light that we see in the darkness is what this verse is talking about. About, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Because ultimately, we have nothing to boast about in this world except Jesus Christ. If I was to go around and talk about my own personal abilities or what have you, all of that means nothing. It's imperfect. I can say that I do fairly well in school, but if I'm really judging how good I am or trying to boast in something I have here on this mortal plane, then all of that is ultimately going to wither away. I think that by placing our treasures in heaven and most importantly, boasting only in God, that we can see that what we have is ultimately surface level. And what we need is something that is higher, something that we can truly bless at all times in praise. And that is Jesus Christ because he is our deliverance. He is our rock and our strength and our guide regardless of whatever happens in our lives. And I think that's just so powerful to see and a great reminder even at the beginning of this psalm that we should bless God in the good times and the bad. Because it's even in those bad times that we learn lessons. I personally don't really ascribe to the idea of a bad day. And I know a lot of people would disagree with me on this, but I just don't think that bad days really exist. I think that everything in and of itself is a learning experience and something that can allow us to either grow in our faith or grow in our relationship with God more. And as such, it's a joy. I delight in the fact that I can learn lessons, even if they are hard lessons to learn, because I know that God is making all things work together for the good of his will. And if his will is perfect, then why would I not want to bless his name? So, but anyways, I'll continue for the sake of time. Verse three starts and says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Verse 3 goes and just continues that opening thought of magnifying the Lord, exalting his name together. And I think that is so important, too, is just to see how being in that community that we can have, that gospel-centered community that I've already talked about previously, is very, very important and how it can be an excellent motivator when just seeing the the power that God has been able to have in other people's lives and how they too, regardless whatever struggles or trials they might have faced, can truly delight and boast in God because of his goodness, grace, and mercy that he has shown on all of us. Verse 4 continues and just shows us how 
in everything, we can seek God and he delivers us from all of our fears. Now, I could go on a whole episode, which I may actually do eventually, but I could do a whole episode on just fear and what that is. And I think, actually, there's a Brandon Lake song that I'm thinking of right now uh, as I'm recording this about fear is not my future. And it talks about fear is not my future. You are talking about God there. And I think that's so cool when looking at that because we as human beings do have a lot to fear if we are apart from Christ. For me personally, I know that one of my biggest fears has actually always been being alone as someone who loves to interact with other people. I'm very much of a social individual. I My greatest fear is not being able to have said interaction. And regardless, whatever that fear might be for you, this verse, verse four here, is just such a beautiful promise of the fact that we can seek God and he will answer and not only answer, but also deliver us from our fears. I mean, to live a life free of fear, what would that look like to you? In fact, in this whole theme of the Lord providing, how does that provide you a sense of peace? How would that? And more importantly, how would that attitude that you would have be able to be leveraged for the sake of the kingdom? You know, the word talks a lot about the fact that if we have Christ, then what do we have to fear? If our God is for us, then who can be against us? No weapons formed against us shall prosper. And in that, I think that it's spelled out very plainly that in Christ, fear is completely absent because fear is ultimately of the devil, the father of lies. But as I've mentioned previously, in today's day and age, it can be very, very difficult to reconcile with that fact. We're surrounded by so much fear, so much worry about things that we can't control. And ultimately, by having that relationship with the one who ultimately is in control, the one who designed the universe and is the alpha and the omega, I think that we can find salvation from our fears in the same, in the same way that we find salvation from eternal separation from God. If that's not something to fear more than anything else, then I don't know what is. And so I hope that that just serves as some motivation to you. If you're struggling with a fear, something, whatever it might be, that you can seek God and all of his righteousness and everything will be added to you. In fact, there's a, there's a song that if you haven't noticed already, I'm very much of a music based person. I've been very fortunate to be involved with music my entire life, basically. And I have led a lot of worship groups here at the University of Alabama. I'm currently still leading a lot of those, which has been such a blessing. And as such, I love worship music. I usually go to the gym and I listen to worship music. And one song that was actually at the Passion Conference, which I talked about in an episode a few weeks ago, was a brand new song that Passion released called The Lord Will Provide. And they talk about that, about seeking first the kingdom and his treasures, and all of these things will be added. And I 
cannot get over how powerful that is, but also at the same time, how important of a charge that is for us. Seeking first the kingdom and all of his treasures, that is something that is a spiritual discipline. I think it can be very easy, especially for people like myself who like to have all of the answers for things and make backup plan after backup plan. It can be very easy for us to look within ourselves for the answers to things and try to figure out solutions to problems whenever and wherever they may arise. But ultimately, what would it be like to simply just turn to God first? And I think this is something that I have definitely learned and something that I have had to start to practice a lot more. Going into a little bit of scriptural reference there, that verse about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. That's just one instance of this verse. And I love that because it can be so easy to look within yourself when you're trying to find the solutions to daily problems. But ultimately, if we are imperfect, then any solution that we would ever find within ourselves is also going to be imperfect. And so that being said, why would we not go and seek first the kingdom and all of his righteousness? Because in him, we are made righteous in God's eyes through his sacrifice on the cross and through the guidance, grace, and mercy that he gives us when we do invite him to be a part of our lives, when we accept him as our one and only Lord and Savior. So what would that look like for you? What would it look like to relinquish that control? I know that's something that I always have to pray about as someone who does like to be in control, but what would it be like in your life to let go and let God? I love that phrase, let go and let God. It's so simple, but it is so true. Verse 5 continues and says, Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I mean, looking at those verses there, it is just so abundantly evident just to see how powerful it is to truly rely on God, regardless of whatever might be going on in your life. Verse 5, they're talking about the faces of those that look upon God being radiant, actually reminds me a lot of Exodus chapter 34, verse 34 and 35, when it talks about Moses going before the Lord to speak with him and He would remove the veil until he came out. And it says that the people of Israel would see the face of Moses and see that his skin was actually shining after looking at Christ. Just to see how beautiful it is that we as believers can have that relationship with the God of the universe so freely, even comparing that to what the Israelites and what Moses had to do when he was communing with God there, how we're able to share in that same power through the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is just beyond remarkable. And I really hope that that serves as a sense of motivation for you as you might be facing something really 
really tough in your life right now, whatever that might be. But if it is motivating to you, I really hope that you can go and continue to fervently pray for whatever might be going on in your life. For God is very, very clear that he wants to save us from whatever we're going through. And he wants to deliver us from all unrighteousness and from all evil that might be occurring around us and in our lives. In verse 6, we see something that I personally took away from it was how a poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Not just some of his troubles. Because he could say like, the Lord saved him from one or two of his troubles that he was talking about. And it was like, no, the Lord saved him out of all of his troubles. Even going further saying, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Otherwise, those that respect him and ultimately delivers them from whatever they're talking about. I think about the Lord's prayer of deliver us from evil. And why can he deliver us from evil? Because he is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Again, just such a beautiful promise and beautiful reminder. Also in the fact that it says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. I think oftentimes it can be very difficult to think that we are worthy enough to come to Christ. And ultimately, we're, we're not, in, in a sense. We are sinful, prideful beings, creatures of wrath, as we're even described. But we are made holy and righteous in God's eyes because we're covered with the blood of his Son. And it's not something that we could have ever done for ourselves. In fact, that's a big thing that a lot of the Pharisees got wrong, is they ultimately wanted to be able to save themselves by following Judaic law, and they just couldn't. They could not live their lives perfectly enough because they needed the perfect righteous sacrifice of God in the form of man, in Jesus Christ, in order to fulfill that. So in a sense, we are all the poor man in this situation, destitute in our sin, but through God, we are made righteous. And I don't know about y'all, but whenever I'm just going through daily life and seeing how I might not feel adequate enough to come to God, I just remember the fact that God came to us in order to give us salvation. It was nothing that I could have ever done, but it's a free gift that God gives us because he loves us enough. It's that same love that he shows us repeatedly, regardless of how many times we reject him. And I hope, I really, really hope that you are able to see and feel that palpable love and just run after him because there's really no need to hide. It's not like we can really hide our sins from God. We might be the poor man, but in God's eyes, we are made kind of like the prodigal son returning. God doesn't bat an eye. He only sees the blood of his son, his perfect son, that covered us from all unrighteousness. Verse 8 continues and says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 
I honestly don't know what exactly that would be like. You know, it feels like I'm always trying to run after the next thing. And I'll be completely honest. I've been very fortunate to grow up in very much of a place of privilege. I grew up in a nuclear family with a loving mom and dad, never had to worry about where my next meal was coming from. We grew up in a very safe area, all of these things. But I realized that that is not necessarily the case for a lot of my other Christian brothers and sisters, even those that aren't believers yet. And that really troubles me because I know that there's a lot that people do lack. And for me, I feel like personally, if I've ever felt like there is something that I'm lacking, whether it is maybe a sense of confidence about going and pursuing something, or maybe, I don't know, if it was just the the drive or the willpower to go and fervently run after Christ. I realize that he gives us that. It's not anything that I have to generate within myself in the same way that I could not generate my own salvation. In fact, I think of a little story about when I was growing up, how I struggled a lot with confidence issues. I was severely bullied when I was going through elementary school, and as such, it really did a number on my self-esteem. But I remember that after finding my identity in Christ and figuring out who I wanted to be in terms of my own Christian life, that I was really able to see that confidence was key, but ultimately that that confidence was not going to come from within myself, that that confidence was going to be coming from my belief in a higher power, in the one who has a plan for me, and the one who always has had a plan for me, even from the time that the world was created. And I think that's such a powerful thing to look at because we can oftentimes be caught up in a world that is very materialistic and that is very goal-oriented. And we can think that we are lacking so much in order to attain whatever that next thing is. But Ultimately, through Christ, we have nothing to lack. We have everything because the creator of the universe provides us with everything. Everything that we need, that is. Of course, I can't necessarily pray and say, hey God, give me a million dollars, and boom, it pops up in my checking account. That's not how that really works. God, when he says that he's going to provide for us, he provides for our needs and how we can best serve the kingdom with the gifts, talents, and abilities that we have. And I think that is a very important distinction to have as well, because a lot of people can look and say like, oh, if I'm a Christian, I'm never going to face any trials. And (laughs) let me tell you, that is not the truth. As we see constantly throughout the Bible, I mean, just look at the story of Job. As we see constantly throughout the Bible, those that believe in Christ don't necessarily have a get-out-of-jail-free card when it comes to dealing with struggles, whether that be battles with internal sin or even prejudice, as we see all throughout the world. Thankfully, I'm very fortunate to be a part of a very strong community of believers, but I know that's not the case for a lot of my listeners out there and even for a lot of people around the world. Is something I'm very privileged to have and something that I'm very thankful that God has provided for me. And 
just seeing how God has been able to deliver on my desire to run after him has really shown me the power of this verse, how I have nothing to lack when I have Christ, because he will truly provide for the things that are going to sustain me in the end. I think a lot about the story of the Israelites as they're wandering through the desert after escaping their bondage in Egypt and how God continues to provide for their basic needs in sending manna from heaven, making water come out of the rocks, all of these things. And it's kind of interesting to look at the example of the Israelites there because they're very ungrateful. And in hindsight, we look at these verses, and as I like to tell those in my Bible study, and as I've heard in a uh, Sean Curran song, hindsight is always twenty twenty. And so these people, they're very, very, I guess, upset with God, very annoyed at the fact that they're not having exactly what they want right there. That instant gratification that I talked about in previous weeks, they're suffering from that, their need for that. And though it can be very easy to look at what these Israelites are going through as kind of being, a, oh, I could never imagine if God was performing these miracles for me. And I'm like, well, it's a miracle that God even was able to provide for my salvation through his son. And that I'm not living a completely destitute life chocked full of sin. Now, of course, I still sin every single day, but I know that I have been sanctified and made righteous in God's sight through his son. And that is something that I can never repay. And honestly, I have to accept the fact that it is a free gift that I'm given. And the only thing that I can do is praise his name for it. And so as the angel of the Lord continues to encamp around those who fear him or those who respect him, he will continue to deliver. And I just, I love that. In verse 8, we see, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. I think that's fairly straightforward. Verse 11 says, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, We've been given a lot of great messages so far in this psalm about how God is going to provide, and this kind of does a little bit of a tone shift in my mind. I look at this and I see how it talks a lot about God referencing us as like, oh, little children, come listen to me. I love that, how we're constantly reminded of the fact that we are God's children as we are his creation and how that is the relationship we should have with him is that he is like our father. Regardless, whatever happens, we can come to him for guidance, for grace, for mercy, for direction, whatever that might be. I know those are just a lot of synonyms, but, but still, I think that's the relationship I've been able to have with my own father here, my earthly father, and I cannot tell you how thankful I am to have that. Shout out to you, Dad, by the way. <laughs> But anyways, I, 
I think it's really cool looking here in this verse, talking about how important it is to have that fear and reverence of God. Because ultimately, though he is the one who is ultimately going to provide for all of our needs, we have to realize that God provides for our needs for the sake of his kingdom. Because he loves us, of course, but also because he wants us to be able to live our lives according to his will and testament and be able to show others why living for him is so important. And so he gives us some very simple commands here in the same way that my own father or my own mother would have given me these commands growing up to make sure that I am helping to promote the best image of what it is to live a life that is Christian and that is representative of what and who Jesus Christ is. Verse 13 saying, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Now, as someone that does go to a public university, it's very easy for me to point my fingers at a lot of the behavior that I see very common among young people, whether that is telling crude jokes or even going and just making fun of someone else, cussing, whatever have you. But rather than just looking at those examples, I look at my own life and I see, okay, where am I doing those things? I might not necessarily cuss or do all of these other habits that a lot of young people have in today's day and age. But that being said, there are definitely times where the words that are coming out of my mouth are not preaching what it is to live a gospel-centered life. And I think that's something that I personally have to pray a lot about as I do like to joke about certain things and do like to pal around with my buddies. But how can we truly create an environment that is edifying? That is the question that we need to assess. I love the verse, Matthew 12, 34, that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In fact, when I write music, I have this as being one of the cover pictures for an album that I have compiled on Apple Music to go and just get some inspiration for what kind of music, what kind of sound I'm going for. And I love the verse because it's very true, but it does make me think a lot within myself about how I am being a representative of Christ. And so I think that this command here is very important for that purpose. It also says to turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. Of course, I don't necessarily think of myself as a very violent individual, uh, but that being said, the first part of that verse really echoes with me a lot. Turn away from evil and do good. In a sense, it's saying repent. Repent is to do a full 180 spin away from evil, or in my mind, I look at that as being sin. And that is oftentimes something that I feel like is a very difficult concept to grasp. What does it mean to truly run away and do a full 180 degree spin, turn, if you will, from whatever sins are in your life and whatever's holding you back? Because ultimately, sin is what holds us back from God's divine purpose for our lives, and that purpose is perfect. And of course, we're all going to deal with different sins. I deal with my own sins. I know half of all of the sins that a lot of people around me are dealing with, and the other half 
we honestly just don't talk about, but everyone has their own internalized sin, whatever it is. I see sin every single day. And regardless, whatever that is, it's definitely something that keeps us from fulfilling the purpose that God has for our lives. And so what would that look like for you to completely turn away and repent from whatever whatever that sin is? And better yet, what does it mean for us to go about doing that? In other words, how can we consciously make an effort to repent and turn away from our sins? For me personally, I've seen a lot of benefit of going and exposing your sins to other people, going and being open and honest about what you're facing in a small community, if you will, or maybe even one-on-one with someone else, because though ultimately we are to confess our sins uh, to Christ, that doesn't mean that we can't also do the same to our brothers and sisters in Christ as a way to hold one another accountable. In fact, through the Alabama Navigators, we have this program called Shaw, which talks about uh, sexual health and wellness. And I love these little groups. I've not personally been a part of one of them, but I know that a lot of my brothers and sisters in Christ have been a part of these and have greatly benefited from being able to be open and honest about different sins that they're facing and have been able to find a lot of benefit in being able to be a part of them, which I am so thankful for. And if you ever want to talk about something, or if you just have a sin that's really weighing on your heart, I highly recommend talking to someone about it and just going to God openly because ultimately he does know about all of our sins, but being our father, he still wants to hear from us and he's more than happy to hear listen, and help us where we need help. And I love that, that seeking peace and pursuing it. To me, seeking peace, if God is, if Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, as he's called there, then we're to seek after Christ and pursue him. And in all of that, all of these other things, the not speaking out evil from our mouth or even repenting from our sins that we have, All of those things will fall into place because of the love that we have for Christ. Moving forward here, of course, not to get too much in the weeds, but all of this is really, really great stuff. And I highly recommend doing your own personal study of Psalm 34. But verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I look at these verses and verse 15 kind of echoes a lot of what we've already what we've already seen there about the eyes of the Lord are ter- are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. We see that and it's It's beautiful to see how the God of the universe who created everything and is omnipotent, omniscient, everything, he cares enough for us that when we cry out to him, wanting to follow after him more and wanting to be able to turn away from whatever sin plagues our lives, that he is there to listen and to help us out with whatever that is. And I think that's beautiful because we can oftentimes feel so small and on our own in this life that we don't feel like it's worth it to even cry out to God. And I think that 
that makes a lot of sense in our own human condition. But reading this verse here, it's just really incredible to see how that is so far from the truth. God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to save us of our sins so that we would not have to be eternally separated from him due to our own fall from grace, but rather so that we could be able to have full connection with him. And I think that's amazing. It says in verse 16, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Again, it can be so simple, so easy to get caught up in the weeds of just how much sin is around us and how it feels like there is no way out, how there is nothing that we could ever do. But in God, we have everything that we could ever need, including the ability to be able to gain separation from those sins, separation from the noise that crowds us out from focusing intently on God's goodness. It says here, he cuts off the memory of them from the earth. I mean, what would it be like to have that peace of not having to deal with that constant sin, whatever you're dealing with there? What would that be like for you? That's something that Jesus provides. And so if you want to run after him, that's what you can expect. I think that's so beautiful. Again, we see verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Again, all. A very simple three-letter word, but so powerful. And lastly, my personal favorite verse from this entire chapter. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the Christian spirit. When I was talking with Dylan about this, it really brought up a lot about my own mother and how I've seen that as she has watched my grandmother over the years while she has taken care of her as her condition has continued to deteriorate with her vascular dementia, how it has left a lot of pain, a lot of scars on both her and our family. And it's amazing to see how in my mother, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone else who is more openly devoted to their love and pursuit of the gospel than her. Because regardless of whatever has happened, she knows deep down that the Lord will provide for all of her needs. For it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That even when we are at our lowest, that God still came down and poured himself out in the blood of his son, became lower than we were, took on all of our sin, just for the sole purpose of the fact that he loved us and he wanted to give us that eternal salvation, regardless how brokenhearted and crushed you might feel right now. Just know that the Lord will provide. To finish up, this chapter says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of them, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. We see an interesting dichotomy here as we close this beautiful chapter about those who will be condemned and those who will not be condemned. 
Verse 21, of course, repeating there, it says that those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Affliction will slay the wicked. And I know that term gets thrown around a lot by Gen Z for better or for worse, but but anyways, in all seriousness, those who hate the righteous will be condemned. I think when I think about hatred in this world, whether that be oppression or even just prejudice or whatever it might be, I just have to remind myself of the fact that the warfare that we face in our earthly plane is not between flesh and blood, but rather it is spiritual warfare. They don't hate, people don't hate us as Christians because of us, because of anything that we did in the same way that there's nothing that we could ever do to gain our salvation. They hate us because of what we stand for. They hate us because we are living our lives for Christ and because we've not bought into the lie that they have, the lie that Satan can provide everything that they need. Of course, it's so amazing that the father of lies tells us the biggest lie in the fact that he is equal to God, and that is not true by any means of the word. In fact, as we see here, affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the life of his servants. That's us, those that believe. And none of those not just some of those, but none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. I think the word refuge is very important here because we are, for lack of a better analogy, on somewhat of a sinking life raft. I think a lot of like Titanic, like in the movie Titanic, where the the boat is is crashing. I know a little bit of a spoiler alert, but it is also history so the boat of course is sinking and everything and they're trying to sustain themselves on the doors and it's just futile it's so difficult to do Uh, personally i believe that both jack and rose could have fit on that door but that's besides the point but anyways uh all that aside we are on a sinking life raft that is our world our world that god made perfectly and man ended up messing up we made it imperfectly and then god tried to start over you know again with noah and the flood and all that and we again made it imperfect and we continue the cycle over and over and over and over again we are on a sinking life raft one that god made perfect for us and we made imperfect But God will make the earth new again, and he will restore us in heaven because he gives us that refuge so that we will not be condemned in just eternal separation from God, but rather can have eternal connection with God, something that we once had in the garden and will one day have again when we are with Jesus Christ in heaven. I just, I really hope that when you are going throughout this next week, that you can take these words that have been echoed here throughout Psalm chapter 34 and just find a way to pray fervently about how God might be speaking in your own life about the Lord providing in whatever difficult situation you're going going through. Even if you're going through a good time in life, still looking to see how God is providing in that time and how he will continue to provide if 
the winds change, which trust me from my own personal experience as a young person, things do tend to change fairly quickly and they'll only continue to change more and more as our world changes and as new sins continue to surround us. But through Christ, we have salvation. And it's that salvation ultimately that is the truest, most beautiful miracle that we could have ever been provided, that we were raised from death to life, and through him we lack nothing. Through him we have everything because the Lord will provide. And that's the Blonde Commentary. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, if you liked what you heard today, feel free to like this episode, follow our podcast. Uh, I'm on a lot of different social media platforms, whether that be TikTok or Instagram. Of course, I post these podcast episodes weekly. And if you like what you've seen and you want to see more, just feel free to go and check out some of our past episodes. And as I mentioned, feel free to subscribe for more episodes as well. Next week, I'm hoping to be able to continue this talk with a good friend of mine who, like I mentioned earlier, I believe will be able to help me talk a lot about worry and why through Christ, we truly have nothing to fear. But anyways, until then, I'm really looking forward to that conversation. But as for this week, I hope you all have a wonderful time. Stay safe, happy, and healthy, and God bless.